Life Audio. Welcome to the Real Refreshment Podcast. Join us as we dive into motherhood at the foot of the throne with your host, Rachel Carmen. If you are tired, overwhelmed, and feeling alone, this is the place for you. A place for real moms with real stories seeking real refreshment found only in the living God. Take a minute to visit rachelcarmen.com and join the community of Real Refreshment listeners who are taking the dare to be in the Word as a top priority in the journey of motherhood. All right, let's kick off this latest episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. Here's your host, Rachel Carmen. Greetings, moms. I hope you're having a great day. I think I say that just about every time I come, but that is my prayer for you, that you're in the middle of a great day. And if you're listening to this in real time on schedule, that means that you've just a few days to wrap everything up before it is the big day to celebrate Christmas. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, We've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, The Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with The King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. And I'm so glad that you've joined us for this series about Advent this year. We've had six different lessons in this series, and I wanted to go back and just do a brief review. And if you've not listened to all of them, I do hope you'll go back and find those on your podcast. But today is number six. But we started out with two women, one barren and one betrothed, and we talked about Elizabeth, who was beyond the years to have a child, and Mary, who was technically before the time she should have had a child, given that she was a virgin when the angel visited her. And we talked about those two women and what contrasting situations they had, but how God used them to really bless each other. And ultimately, all of us, through their faithfulness to His invitation. Then next, we talked about their two men, a priest and a carpenter. And we talked about When Zacharias was in the temple ministering before the Lord, how the angel came to him and the question that he had that led to him being struck deaf and mute for the entirety of Elizabeth's pregnancy. And then we also talked about Joseph and how he was found to be righteous and how kindly he was treating Mary and then how gracious 
God was to send an angel to assure Joseph about what he was doing in and through Mary. Our third in this series, we talked about the significance of the little town of Bethlehem. It wasn't just any town. This was God's prophetic fulfillment from the Old Testament. We talked briefly in that session about how the entire biblical narrative is woven together to tell one story of the God of the universe's love for all of mankind, and that actually every book complements all the other books. There are no contradictions. There's only complementing, and we talked about that clearly in the prophetic um, the prophets in the Old Testament who were pointing forward to Christ and specifically that he would be born in Bethlehem and how through all of these different speci- uh, specific moments that were in the life of Joseph and Mary, guess what? The prophetic word that was in the Old Testament came about because of the census and Mary and Joseph headed out to Bethlehem. So that was number three. Then number four... We talked about some of my favorite characters in the Bible are those who are unnamed. I still find that interesting, and we talked just briefly about the perhaps significant part of that. Specifically, in session four, we talked about the shepherds, this lowly group of men out in the mountains who were keeping watch by their flocks by night and the importance of what they were doing, their dedication, and yet of all of the people that God could have proclaimed and announced the birth of the Savior to, God chose to send His angels to to proclaim the glorious birth of the King to shepherds. And we talked about how they rushed to go and see themselves what they had been told. It was it's just a glorious story. Then part five, we talked about two saints seeking and serving. And this is when we go forward a little bit after Jesus was born to the temple in Jerusalem when Mary and Joseph had presented him. And there in the temple, we meet Simeon and Anna. And we learned about their dedication to the Lord and the words of blessing and affirmation that they extended to the young parents, Mary and Joseph, and how Mary treasured all of these things in her heart. So for our time today, we're going to wrap this up, and I will say a little bit of a spoiler alert. Probably most of you are aware of this, but I've tucked in the visit of the Magi for our last in this series, but most of you probably already realize that the Magi did not meet Jesus in the stable. We know now, scholars confirm, that it was probably around two years later before the Magi actually made it to see the Christ child. Even though many depictions of the nativity include the Magi, it's not actually accurate on the timeline. So we have to fast forward a little bit to where we get to the wise men, but I've tucked it in here anyway because I still think it's a significant part of the birth of Christ, and it's just before the flight to Egypt, so I do think it's a a key time in his childhood. So a few facts about these magi. They came from afar indeed. 
Many people believe that it was 800 to 1,000 mile journey that they traveled, which would at about a 20 mile pace a day could mean as many as 40 days journey. So these men indeed had probably been studying the stars and they knew Old Testament prophecy, perhaps from as far back as the Babylonian exile, the time of Daniel. And so Daniel, you'll remember in the Old Testament, there's a book by his name. He was an Old Testament prophet. He was taken into exile under Nebuchadnezzar and taken in as one of the wise men under Nebuchadnezzar. And his story is remarkable. Daniel 1.8 tells us that Daniel resolved to continue on in what he knew to be true and honoring God in word and deed. And over and over and over, we see God honoring Daniel. This is indeed the same Daniel who was thrown to the lions. But God preserved him even in that circumstance. And Daniel was able to witness to King Darius through that. All that to say, Daniel made many prophecies in the Old Testament, and evidently they were recorded. And so the wise men from the East would have had access to all of those prophecies pointing forward. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. The Old Testament prophecies, all of the Old Testament narrative points forward to Messiah in the New Testament. And so apparently these wise men, magi, had been studying those old prophecies and looking for the star that was indeed prophesied back in the Old Testament. And having done that, they note a new star. And so they set out on this journey. Now, don't miss the remarkable nature of this, this determination to follow the star. They saw something new in the heavens, and they're like, I think that's the prophecy that we've been looking for. This is new. And then they set out to go and see based on what they had studied. So this would have been no small undertaking, certainly back in that time. Potentially, they traveled by caravan with camels. But you can only imagine what it would look like to have to pack supplies and everything that you would need for 40 days at least. That's just one way. So you have to get back, right? There's no 7-Eleven. There's no Target. There's, they have to pack these things up. Of course, they could trade along the way. But this, I want you to understand, was a significant undertaking and took a lot of commitment on their part to make this trip. So they have packed up all of the, that they will need for this period of time, including gifts for this child. So they are prepared to come, just not just to come, but to come and give and worship this child based on the prophecy that they've been studying for such a long time. So after traveling all this time, and we have no idea, I would love to hear if their journal, I would love to read the journal entries of the wise men headed to find the Christ child. That would be fascinating to me. All of the things that they must have encountered, the challenges, you know, what foods did they run out of? What rotted on the way? Where did they get water? It it must have been a fascinating journey that they went on. So they finally end up in Jerusalem and they are seeking he who was born king of the Jews. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. 
Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Their wording is a little problematic here because Herod had declared himself as king of the Jews. So now you've got these magi from the east coming in in probably a large caravan seeking he who is born king of the Jews. That immediately puts this child as a rival to Herod. They say that they've seen his star and they have come to worship and acknowledge him. Now, we don't know if they said we also have gifts packed to give to him, but they have come a long way to see this king. This is serious business. I am fairly confident in what little I know that Jerusalem would have been all a bustle with these guys arriving. They would have been like, wow, what just came into town, right? And they're very clear on why they're there. And Herod hears about it. And scripture records that he was greatly troubled about this. Again, this would have been a rival. What do you, what do you mean? There's been a baby born king of the what? King of the, that's who I am, right? And so he is very concerned, so much so that he gathers up the chief priests and the scribes and puts them immediately to work to find out what are these guys talking about? Who is this that's to be born king of the Jews, and where are they supposed to be, and what is going on? So they work, the chief priests and the scribes, they work to find, and they inquired as to where the Messiah was to be born, and they found in the Old Testament, the prophet Micah recorded in Micah 5-2 that he was to be born in Bethlehem. So Herod now thinks he knows where this is going to be, right? So he calls the Magi in and he asks them, so when did you see the star? He wants to know as much information as he can possibly get. And he actually tells them, look, you go on to Bethlehem and then you come back and let me know how it goes, right? Now, I totally accept that this is not in Scripture, but this was not on the up and up. There's no indication here that he had good good plans, right? He's just trying to get as much information. He says to them, actually, that he wants to go and worship too. 
So the Magi, not knowing any different, they continue on to Bethlehem, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago is about six miles south of Jerusalem. So they continue on. And it says that the star stopped over where the child was, right? And so that's where they go. And they go into the house. That is actually in Scripture. They go into the house. It says in uh, verse 9, After hearing the king, the Magi went their way. And the star, which they had seen in the east, went on before them until it came and stood over that place. Some translations actually use the word house, where the child was. And when they saw the star, listen to all of these verbs. It's just beautiful. It says, they rejoiced. They rejoiced. They were so, this is what they came for. They've traveled all of this distance. They have gone through whatever dangerous, arduous, whatever parts of that this journey meant for them. They have made it, and now they're here. This is the star. This is where they're supposed to be. This is why they came. And it says, they rejoiced. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. This is verse 11. And they fell to the ground and worshiped him. I believe what we're seeing here is a pattern of response when in the presence, there's, there's what else can you do but follow the ground? What else can you do? If you study the Gospels, I'm actually in the book of Mark right now studying through the Gospels, over and over and over, lepers, blind men, desperate fathers, desperate women, demoniacs, right? Over and over and over, they come to Jesus, and what do they do? They fall on their knees. They're in the presence of the God-man. They're in the presence of the King of the universe, the Creator. And what do they do? They fall down, and they worship. And the Magi are no different. They saw the child, Mary, and the child, this is Jesus, and he would have been around two years old at this point. And they fell down. And they worshiped. Now, this is this amazing foreshadowing of the, what we get, what Paul writes about over in Philippians 2. And you'll remember this is a familiar passage. It says, have this attitude in you. I'm reading the whole thing, but we'll key in on a couple of verses. Have this attitude in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the very form of God, did not rec- regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient, even to the point of death, even death on the cross. For this reason, here's our verse, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, these wise men from the east were Gentiles. They had come this far, and in the presence of Emmanuel, they bow and they worship, 
signifying, foreshadowing every knee bowing and every tongue confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But that's not all. After they're worshipped, they present him with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. This is such a beautiful thing. It wasn't that they just came to acknowledge him, right? They came with gifts. And this is such a beautiful thing. These were gifts for a king. These were royalty gifts. Gold, frankincense, it's a resin, an incense, myrrh. It was a type of sap used in perfume. This was God's provision. And and we're going to get to it in just a minute, but... Mary and Joseph did not know what was on the horizon. They didn't know what was up next. But what we have here is another one of those moments of God's clear affirmation for Joseph and Mary because in just very short order, they're going to be asked to do something, something really hard. And they will have had this affirmation and this provision from God to go and do what God's asked them to do. So they they worship, they fall down, they worship, they present to the Christ child these three gifts. And I'll just pause and say, this is why many people say that there were three wise men because there were three gifts. There could have been 23 wise men. There is no indication in Scripture how many. It's just often assumed that since there were three gifts, there were three wise men. But we don't know. Could have been a couple, right? It's plural, so it was more than one, but it could have been more than three. But these were the gifts, gold, frankincense, and, and myrrh. We talked about early on, too, how through this entire story, this birth story of the Christ child, we have these angels interacting with mankind, sometimes in dreams, sometimes in vision, sometimes in the sky, right? Once in the temple was Zacharias. And here, these wise men, what did Herod ask them to do? Herod said, come back this way and tell me what you find out so I can go and worship him too. But the wise men are warned in a dream not to go back to Herod. So it says that they returned home by another way. So they too, they too were visited and told, yeah, don't go back that way. And they didn't. They went back another way. And they must have gone back with great rejoicing. They had a successful journey. They got to see he who was born king of the Jews. And so they headed home. And we don't know about their return story, but we do know that they went back another way. And it says in the passage, let's see here, picking up in verse 13 of chapter 2 in the book of Matthew, it says, Now when they had gone, the Magi, behold, an angel of the Lord. This is number 6. Number 5 would have been the Magi. Number 6 here is with Joseph again. Remember, there are seven instances of angels in the whole story. Three of them are with Joseph. This is the sixth, the second with Joseph. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. I mean, really. The Magi have just been here. They've they've just worshipped. They've acknowledged. They've affirmed that Jesus is, in fact, who they know him to be. I mean, this is a gift. And they brought gifts, right? 
And this turns out probably to be his provision now for their journey, for their flight to Egypt, because now they've got to get out of Bethlehem. They've got to get out. And now they're facing a 90-mile journey to the border of Egypt. 90 miles. You remember they came 80, I remember, from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Now they've got 90 to go to the border with Egypt. And so that's what they do. They leave in the middle of the night. They flee to Egypt, and they stay until Herod dies. And then number seven, Joseph gets another dream telling him to return to Israel. And so God, again, has met them right where they were, affirmed them, provided for them, directed them. One of the things that I think is really worth noting in this story, and it's not just in this story, we see this all the way back in the life of Moses, and maybe we can discuss this another time, but in the life of Moses, we have similar circumstances under which he was born, but let's let's not miss this. Jesus was born under a tyrant. He, Herod was paranoid. He was panicked. He was a tyrannical man. He had murdered one of his wives and several of his sons. This was not a great guy. And Jesus was born under his rule into oppression of his people. But he was also born in the fullness of time, on time. This was his moment. Mom, you and I can get all caught up in how this moment, this time that we are in right now just seems like everything's upside down. It seems like lies are multiplying, like more and more people are being deceived. But we must trust in the sovereignty of God that this is the moment and dare to live as he has called us to live. So I have four points of a dare for you today. Let us dare to remember our creator. Let us not forget that the God we worship spoke light into existence, that he put the stars in place and that star, right? And it's interesting, this whole star thing that we've got going on. You remember back in Genesis 15, God directed Abraham's attention to what? To the stars. Yeah, Abraham, you see those stars? I did that. And I'm the God that's going to promise you that I'm going to bless you and that you're your children are going to number like the stars. So you can trust me that if I can do that, I will do this. I will keep my word. And then fast forward to the New Testament, and it is a star that is what the Magi followed. He is the creator of the universe, and we need to remember that. Secondly, we need to remember to worship him. And I'm going to say, especially in this season, it is so easy to get distracted by all of the doings and the trimmings and the paper and the wrapping, and we forget to worship Him, to worship Him. Come, let us adore Him. We must worship Him during this season. Number three, I dare us, I dare us to present Him with our hearts and our lives. Of all of the wonderful gifts that you have planned and wrapped and are anticipating someone else receiving and opening this Christmas season, let us dare to make sure that we have given our hearts and our lives fully to the Lord Christ, that we are giving ourselves to Him on a daily basis in all we say and do that He is honored. 
And number four, let us dare to trust God's timing. Again, it is very, very easy for me. I know with all seven of my kids and all six of my grandkids, it is really easy for me to go, why? Why now? Why now? But I am going to dare to trust, and I'm going to dare you to trust that God's timing is perfect. In the midst of all of these challenges that Mary and Joseph faced, the coming of the angel, her being found to be pregnant and not married, right? The fact that there was a census and they had to travel all that way to Bethlehem, right? The fact that there was no room in Bethlehem, the fact that then in Bethlehem, now they've got to leave and go to Egypt because Herod's going to try to destroy him. All of these challenges, and yet God was with them every step of the way. God provided with them, and God directed them. And mom, that same God knows where we are, provides for us, and directs us. He is the King of kings and the Lord of Lord. Merry Christmas. I'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have a question or comment, we invite you to send it to info at rachelcarmen.com. And while you're at Rachel's website, check out her wonderful resources, including the Word in Motion Bible Curriculum. We want to take a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. Moms, more than ever, we really do need each other. We need to be challenged, and we need accountability in the Word. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you in the next episode of The Real Refreshment Podcast. Feeling stressed? Let's take better care of you. I'm Bonnie Gray, the host of Breathe, the Stress Less Podcast. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.